What's happening, everyone? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of Land Grant Holy Land. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. It's Friday, January 11, 2019. Hope you all are having a great week as we head into the weekend. And I am joined by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, uh, if any more Ohio State news breaks, I am going to hit the transfer portal and transfer out of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be transferring over to um, the Indiana SB Nation blog. So be looking out for that. We're going to jump into the SB Nation blog transfer portal that exists, and uh, we're going to go over to Bloomington, and we'll start our podcast over there. And uh, I'm sure that we'll be, you know, very much welcomed by what I'm sure is a very kind and, and uh, accepting fan base. <laughs> but really, it's ever since the Rose Bowl, it seems like there has not been yeah, one. It's, not, it's nonstop. And these aren't these aren't <laughs> small moves either. Like these are program changing big moves that Ryan Day is making. There are big pieces to this roster that are either staying, going to the NFL draft, or transferring, which we're going to talk about at length here in a second. But man, there's a lot going on. Yeah, there's, I mean, just since the last episode, which was also, what, a a breaking news podcast, um, we've had Tate Martell stuff, we've had now Damon Arnett stuff, we've had a hire, um, and then the basketball team losing to Rutger, which is, I think, the worst thing you can do as a basketball team. Just we recorded that podcast literally two days ago, and all of this has happened. Yeah, yeah, man it's it's been it's been wild. Like, uh, I'm glad that I am I'm mostly not in the business of breaking news or uh, writing about breaking news because um, the the guys at our site who who are in charge of that have been real busy recently because of all of the just massive you know various news things that ryan day is giving to us and you know when he was hired we talked about how he would have to change the culture a little bit he would have to come in and change the way things are done make some changes to the defensive staff just in general um and he's certainly done that he's i mean he has changed the entire defensive staff now except for larry johnson um he has brought in what four new coaches, five new coaches uh, to Something to like replace that. what was there. I think it's five with Yurcich. Um and then he went out and got a brand new quarterback, and now Tate Martell is gone, and it, it really is. It feels like a different program right now. The energy around the program, just the the general feel for what the culture feels like around Ohio State, <clears throat> with seemingly a push towards. Um, you know everything that we said all season long. Everything that we said need to happen. Uh, Ryan Day has pretty much done that. Which uh, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty good about that. I feel pretty smart right now because <laughs> uh, the big brain football knower has has logged on and taken all of our advice to heart. Um, and and you know, gone out and done pretty much everything we said that he needed to do. And we'll we'll still see if he plays young players like we want him to and if he hires us as accountants or whatever fake title he wants to give us to you know uh, run the program as like puppet leaders but until then 
I'm pretty happy with what Ryan Day has done so far, even if it has got, given us a ton of, of news to cover and podcast about. And if Ryan Day isn't willing to do that, you can do your part by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts yeah. and telling us We're gonna how, stage a how, how smart we've State. been and, and how great we've been. And some of you that left those one-stars all season, you need to go back and amend those because you yeah, were you wrong. Apologize. And you know what? We were right. And that's the most important thing about anything Ohio State related is that Patrick and I are proven correct. That is all we care about. <laughs> we we obviously have to start with the Tate Martell thing. And I want to take a quick second to apologize. If anybody can hear a banjo or some sort of string instrument in the background, that is the upstairs neighbor. They oh, const- hell yeah. they, they constantly while and now that all of now that I can't yell at Greg Schiano anymore, all of that negative energy is going to go to the upstairs neighbor. So yeah. if any of you rocks. are in Oakland and are reading the crime section you might see my name in there, but that's another story. <laughs> let's let's get to Tate Martell, man. Um, so the other day, yesterday, I guess, I, whenever people are listening to this, either Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, earlier on in the week, Tate Martell, it was discovered, has put his name into the transfer portal of the NCAA. And there's a lot of areas, I think, to, to talk about when it comes to this and Obviously, Tate Martell is a lightning rod because he's a guy that especially recently had made a couple of statements at the Rose Bowl in terms of Ohio State bringing on a quarterback, which was obviously Justin Fields and not wanting to go and being up for a quarterback competition. And we fast forward a couple weeks. Here we are. It looks like Tate Martell is transferring. Nothing is official yet. He can talk to schools. Schools can talk to him. He can come back to Ohio State if he wants. From my perspective, it would seem that he's as good as gone. I don't think either you or I are surprised by this. And ultimately, I think when we talked about Urban Meyer leaving, how it was really best for all parties involved, I think that this is another situation where it's probably best for all parties involved. I know that people have lamented about the quarterback depth that Ohio State is going to have if he leaves, and that's a very legitimate concern, and they're going to have to do something about that either for this last portion of the 2019 signing class or through a transfer, whatever it may be, there's going to have to be a corresponding move. But I think for the long-term future of everybody involved, this is a good thing, and I wish nothing but the best for Tate. I hope he tears it up wherever he goes, but I, I'm just I wasn't surprised by this. Maybe that it happened so soon, but I don't think this is a big shocker for Ohio State or for Tate Martell. Yeah, I, I think that you know, and I don't like to I don't like to talk bad about players that aren't tough, Borland. Um, <laughs> but man, Tate makes it real tough. Tate makes it real tough to you know to give him the benefit of the doubt. And to paint him as uh, a victim, which I think in this situation he, in a way, is. I mean, Ohio State went out and basically over recruited him because um, he just wasn't, you know, I don't think he was good enough to play in Ryan Day's system. And that's the way that major college football works. And it sucks. It, it sucks that, you know, a, a guy who, from, you know, all accounts really liked being at Ohio State and really wanted to play at Ohio State is, you know, not going to get the chance to do that. But that's the way that major college football works. And I think um, had Tate carried himself a different way, it would be a lot easier to think of that as the exclusive, you know, contributor to how I feel about this. But 
Tate spent pretty much the entirety of the last like four weeks talking shit about Justin Fields and talking about you know how he's one hundred percent sure he's going to be the starter and how uh, you know why would he leave for someone who's never been here and he's going to battle for it and then he just like it's not even the end of January January just started they they haven't even started practice yet and I I, I guess that like he he feels betrayed which is again understandable the the head coach that he committed to retired and the new head coach didn't want him um and that stinks but it's not like it's not like this is a conversation that they just had the Justin Fields thing has been around Ohio State for weeks now the you know Ryan Day thing has been around Ohio State for weeks now this is not new information so i really don't know what exactly the point of the twitter posturing was if he i mean he already had all the information he needed. He he knew what was going to happen. He knew that Justin Fields was going to come in. He was almost certainly going to get eligible right away, and I think that that's still true. And he was going to lose the battle because he's not as good. He's not as good as Justin Fields, and that's just kind of the way it is. Um, and you know, I I like you said, I hope that he is successful elsewhere. I I think he will be successful elsewhere. I'm not sure where that elsewhere will be. But ultimately, the fit in Ryan Day's offense for Tate Martell isn't there. He's a he's an Urban Meyer quarterback circa 2014, and 2014 Urban Meyer's gone. And I just, I, I don't think he would have been able to find success in this system. Ohio State still would have won games with him at quarterback, but it would have looked a lot like 2016 or 2017 even when they had a quarterback who could certainly run the ball but really couldn't throw and it hampered the offense and I, I think that there are other coaches there are other colleges who can much better use his skill set than Ohio State so I, I certainly agree that this is probably for the best of, of all involved parties that's why to me this isn't a competition thing and I, I know that the optics are super bad after he had said all of that stuff on Twitter and he's gotten a lot of heat from people saying like, Oh, you wanted, you wanted competition. And then you left. I don't think that this was a, uh, Hey, I'm, I'm scared of competition thing. I, I think that if, if he does end up leaving Ohio state, this was a conversation that he and his family had his family and Ryan day had him and Ryan day had where they discussed the overall future of what, things would look like for the offense what the offense would look like with him in it and there are just better or more like you said better ways to use him out on the table elsewhere and he's going to explore those options so I I don't think that it was a competition thing the optics certainly look bad like I said but I think that Ryan Day is very committed in keeping some of the core things about Ohio State under Urban Meyer the same maybe just switching it up with his flavor. But also, and we've seen this with the defense all offseason, is he's also committed to like, hey, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it that way. And you you brought up a great point that Ohio State could absolutely win games with Tate Martell at quarterback and be able to make it work. But that's kind of what they've been doing outside of this season. That's what they did in 2017. 17. That's what they did in 2016. That's really what they did in 2015 as well. 
And I don't think Ryan Day wants to do that. He wants to play a different style of football. And I, I'm not going to say that Tate Martell is a horrible thrower. I think that he's still young enough to where he can learn and, and be a very good passer. But the way that Ryan Day wants to move the ball, I just don't think that long-term it really fits. And it goes back to what we said when the Fields thing initially popped up. He wasn't being brought in to get into a quarterback competition. Yeah. <laughs> if it, I, I'm sure that Ryan Day would be fine if Tate Martell stayed and they battled it out. And if Tate Martell got, you know, really proved that he was the starter, he would do that. I think Ryan Day is going to make decisions that are for the best for Ohio State on the field and playing the best players no matter what. But Justin Fields wasn't brought in to compete, just like Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow and Tate Martell, that that really wasn't a quarterback competition last year. We said that from the start. And if you just read between the lines, you could see that when the field's interest was there, he wasn't being brought in for it to be a competition or like, hey, push the best guy. He was being brought in to be Ohio State's starter for the next two seasons, help transform the offense, continue what Dwayne Haskins did, and get back to where Ohio State is in the playoff and has a legitimate shot at winning a national championship. And it, it really is sucks that that's kind of the, the business of college football and a guy like Tate Martell, who has been nothing but committed to Ohio State since he was in high school, kind of gets for lack of a better word, thrown to the wayside because of that in the way that Urban Meyer and, and his tenure ended. But ultimately, that that really is what it is. It's the business of college football. And I hope that Tate Martell, if he ends up going somewhere else, finds the best place for him and goes and balls out. I would be perfectly fine seeing him at a place like OU or some other place where he can be himself on and off the field and bring that unique flavor and style of play to college football because I love watching players like him and and he has a personality and I I think that that's awesome and I hope that he ends up somewhere where he can showcase that and go and ball out. Yeah, man, Liberty quarterback Tate Martell. Um, I, I, I think I agree with with all of that. And I think that, you know, we, we talked about this in kind of recapping, looking at the national championship on how both teams were playing super young players. Both teams had made those tough decisions. Both coaches were willing to play young players over guys who maybe, um, you know, so to speak, deserved the spot more, which I, I don't really think it exists in college football as a, you know, an age-based deserving of a, you know, a starting job. I don't think that that should exist um, anywhere, especially not in college football. But I, I think that, you know, the reason that Dabo Sweeney, the reason that Nick Saban are successful and have been so successful for so long is because they're willing to make decisions like this one. And, you know, we have we've talked about this before, but uh, Clemson going from Kelly Bryant and switching to Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence is the more talented player. That's the kind of that's the kind of decision that separates, you know, a team from losing thirty one zero in the playoff to winning the playoff. That is just just a thing like that. That can change an entire team. The the quarterback and the the attitude that comes with making a change like that, the culture that comes with making a change like that, it makes it so that, you know, your older players who are talented, your older players who are the most talented players in their position can't feel complacent. They they can't feel like they are owed a spot. And in college football at the highest level, you can't operate where 
players feel like they are owed a spot. And that's something that Urban Meyer struggled with late at Ohio State. That's something that he struggled with late at Florida. That's something that just kind of came with Urban Meyer was that complacency, especially after winning at, at a super high level and kind of accomplishing the goals. And we don't know if that's something that will develop under Ryan Day uh, as he as he ages and becomes a little bit more of an experienced head coach, presumably at Ohio State. I, I think he'll probably be here for a while. But it's something that's not there right now. It's it's something that he does not seem to seem to care about at this point. And I think that's a good thing. I think that that is what Ohio State really needs if they want to be Clemson, if they want to be Alabama, is they have to be willing to make these tough decisions, and Ryan Day is doing it. He He's going out, and we don't know if he you know, told Tate to go look elsewhere because Justin Fields was going to be the starter. I doubt that's the case. I, I think that they probably had a you know a, a heart-to-heart about the exact situation, and um, you know, Ryan Day explained that, Justin Fields is a better fit for the system, and if he's eligible, he's probably going to be the starter. And that he would be willing to, you know, have a have a competition, but Tate would be behind the eight ball a bit because of his style of play. And sometimes you have to do that. It's really tough to tell a player who, you know, like we said, seems to love Ohio State, seems to love being here. It's tough to tell him that he's probably not going to win the job that he has felt he is owed. But that's what you have to do to be an elite college football coach that's what you have to do in college football it's a business and you know it's like i would i would argue for months that if you know if players are are being treated like that and coaches treat players like that the players should be paid i'm all in favor of players being paid i think that is the correct you know moral thing for to happen in college football be it a an olympic model or, or whatever it may be but that's not what we have and Ohio State still wants to win football games, and this is how they do it. And it's it's encouraging to see Ryan Day understand that that's what's necessary, and I hope that he takes it into the the full season, into the offseason, when deciding not just quarterback but every position. And just disregarding the field stuff, I don't think that it was a lock that Martell would have beaten out Matt Baldwin based off of I don't what, think he would have. <laughs> I don't think he would have. No. And that, that's not a talent thing. Uh, that's based off of stuff that's just been floated out there, that style of play, because Matt Baldwin also kind of fits more of what Ryan Day wants to do offensively. So I, I know that the talk is about him versus Fields, and rightfully so when you bring in a quarterback that talented, but I don't think we can really discount Matt Baldwin and, and how he factors into this as well. And we'll follow this more as more news comes out whether you know at some point Tate's going to say something and we'll we'll figure this all out and like I said Ohio State still has to make corresponding quarterback moves here as we get closer to signing day and spring practice so this story and everything involving Ohio State's quarterback is is far from being over but moving on to some other big news from this week and uh, other changes that the program is making Matt Barnes is brought on as special teams coordinator DB's coach it looks like Taver Johnson is is going to be out and yeah. Ohio State's finally whittled down their defensive their new staff under Ryan Day Barnes coming over from Maryland I don't know too much about him personally uh, so I can't really say hey this is a good hire this is a bad hire we know that he's going to need to be able to do two things recruit 
coach DBs better than they've been coached the last few years. That's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, this this hire was a little bit strange. I I haven't gotten I haven't gotten the chance to look into it a ton just because there's not a ton of info on Matt Barnes. Um, he coached Maryland's linebackers and apparently called the plays for their defense last season. Um, and their linebackers were pretty good from what I can remember, but he's not going to be coaching linebackers at Ohio State. He's he's going to be helping Jeff Halfley and then coaching the special teams. Um, so this was this was a hire that it kind of you know stays in line with what Day has been doing so far with these hires, save for like the Greg Madison hire where he's bringing in younger guys to try and freshen up the program a little bit, getting up and comers and. Barnes is certainly an up-and-comer. There's there's really not a ton of information out there about him. Um, but I, I think that he's he's pretty widely regarded as a high-energy guy. He's a guy who can bring a lot of motivation to his positional groups, and um, I, I think that that's helpful for, for on-the-field stuff and possibly for recruiting. We don't actually know much of anything about him as a recruiter because um, he's only listed as landing three recruits ever at Maryland, which is not great. Um, you generally like to see a little bit more production out of a guy who is essentially hired to be a recruiter. So I, I guess we'll see what that actually looks like at Ohio State and what he can do with more resources. But he, he does seem to be a guy who can bring a lot of energy to the staff, a guy who will be able to help out Halfley. And I think that that's pretty much what he was what he was hired for, is to assist Halfley and to focus quite a bit on the special teams. Um, and we'll see if he can recruit. I know that Ohio State is looking right now for a lot of the you know East Coast recruiters. We saw that with Halfley. They already have that with Larry Johnson. Ryan Day is more than capable on the East, and I think Matt Barnes will continue that. He has a lot of really good ties in Maryland in the DMV area, and my guess is that him and Larry Johnson are going to focus quite a bit out there. He'll also be coaching Damon Arnett, who just announced that he is coming back for his senior season. We're still waiting to hear from Kendall Sheffield. I think the deadline is Monday the 14th, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right, yeah. So we'll we'll hear from the next couple of days whether both of those guys are going to be back. I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I, I think that he struggled a bit at times, obviously, the past couple of seasons. But hopefully with a more streamlined process – when it comes to DB play and what they want to do on that back end, he can bounce back a little bit. Um, I, I know that he, on the outside, we're not <laughs> we're not as optimistic about him, but I do think that he has a place on the defense. Whenever you have another veteran guy back there, it helps not only with talent, but with depth as well. And we'll just have to see how he looks under this new staff, but I, I definitely think he can be better utilized than he has been in the past. Yeah, I agree. I think that... Um, if you're going to use him as a primary cornerback, he's going to struggle a little bit. He's not bad by any means. I don't think he was bad at all this season. He was just okay. And if you use him as an outside cornerback, he's going to be just okay. But I, I think that he was likely talking to Ohio State about this decision, and they told him that they were going to want to put him in the slot as a slot corner. Um, that's really the only thing that makes sense to me here on this decision. I, I don't understand exactly why he would come back if he knew he was going to be in the same spot where he's kind of shown what he's capable of. Um, but if he's offered the chance to prove himself as a slot corner, which is where I think he should have been the whole time, he could probably do a better job. He can probably establish himself as someone who can play in the slot in the NFL and you know show that he has 
the skill set to play professionally. He just hadn't gotten the chance to show it. So that's that's my hope with the defensive backfield is that Arnett plays in the slot or as a nickel, and you got Okuda and Wade on the outside and uh, Fuller and, and uh, Brendan White in the, the safety spots. I think that that's just about as good as it gets, really, with the 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 personnel that they have on this roster. And that that would be... I think a uh, a defensive backfield that would be much improved from what they were in 2018. You know who else is getting a shot to prove themselves at a different place? Our man. Our our boy, <laughs> Bill Bill Davis. He's with the Cardinals Bill, now. Bill, we love you. Bill, come home. <laughs> I, I am going to watch Cardinals games next year. I absolutely Why? will. I, I want to see that linebacker play. My only take on that was like, at least those linebackers are getting paid. If, if they yeah, receive his they coaching. Yeah. At least they're getting a paycheck every week. <laughs> I saw, I can't remember who it was. I saw some NFL guy, a big-brained NFL guy, say that um, the Cardinals bringing back Bill Davis was a, a, you know, a huge get, and he was great for them in, in 2010, and he was responsible for Ohio State's awesome defensive line and Nick Bosa, which is really funny because that just means that he didn't watch Ohio State at all this year. Or um, he doesn't know what Bill Davis's job was at Ohio State, <laughs> both of which are equally funny. Yeah, he uh, Bill Davis is uh, often credited with the development of Dwayne Haskins and <laughs> will be serving as the quarterbacks coach for the Cardinals. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch Cardinals game. Although they got Cliff now, so I might I might check it out once or twice just to see what that looks like. But um, I don't know. Nice of them for. You know, for for taking him off our hands, I, uh, I I think that Bill fits a lot better in the NFL, where he has lost uh, approximately thirty jobs and somehow continues to get hired as a linebacker. He's he's continuing his quest to get fired from every football team in the country, and I I think he can do it. He has my support. <laughs> do we have any other football stuff? It feels like we have to be missing something because everything is going on all at once, but. I, I think for this round of news, we hit everything, right? Um, I think so. There's some some grad transfer stuff that is tangentially related to Ohio State. I saw that Tennessee tackle Drew Richmond is transferring. He's a guy who Ohio State was looking at out of high school. I doubt they want him now because he's not very good, but um, that is an option. If they need depth on the line, he, he's a guy who they might look towards. Um Outside of that, no, not not a ton going on. Big Ten news. It looks like uh, Maryland might get Jalen Hurts, which would be a big a big get for them, especially with Anthony McFarland in that backfield still. And um, I'm not super confident in Mike Loxley, but that would be pretty interesting at least. And um, outside of that, not not a ton going on, um, which is actually pretty rare for the for the football team, just the three pieces of news. Do we not want to talk about Michigan State literally oh, not doing that anything ruled. but yeah, just changing? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if Ryan Day got hired and then his move with the defense was to make Greg Schiano coach the defensive line and make Larry Johnson coach the defensive backs and just like swamp people around. I know there have been times in the last five months where we've been super flabbergasted about stuff and just been downright negative about some of the things that have gone on. I could not imagine having to watch, write, or talk about what Mark D'Antonio just did. It's with devastating. Whole program. <laughs> I texted one of my one of my buddies whose significant other 
went to Michigan State, and I was like, wow, D'Antonio really digging his heels, and he was like, this is the death of the program. And honestly, that may seem I like mean, hyperbole, yeah, <laughs> but holy cow, man. Like, that that is rough. For the people that don't know, Mark D'Antonio kept everybody on the offensive staff at Michigan State and just basically was like, hey, quarterbacks coach, you're actually coaching the offensive line. Like, this is the worst game of shuffling chairs possibly ever, and I cannot wait to see Michigan State's offense again next year. I said on Twitter, if they, their players deserve, if they want one of those waivers, like the hardship waivers to transfer after like the NCAA gives out to schools that just got hit with sanctions that weren't the kids' fault, their whole defense should be able to transfer wherever they want because that is inhumane to make that defense have to play with that offense year after year. Speaking of um, Michigan State's defense, real quick, I did just do want to say uh, Ohio State dodged a bullet there because there were some Buckeye fans that wanted to hire Mike Tressel, and I don't think we talked about that on the podcast, but y'all, come on. No. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> no. Yuck. Not hiring Mike Tressel. That's a bad idea. <laughs> do we want to really dive into Ohio State's loss versus Rutgers. We were just heaping them with praise after they lost to Michigan State about how much they were going to grow. And luckily, I was still editing the podcast when they lost, and I was able to edit in a part where I was like, whoops, that didn't really work (laughs) out the way we wanted it to. But I I think I'm still at the point where there are going to be games like this for them. Everything went so smoothly last year that – we may have all lulled ourselves into being like, it's just going to automatically take another jump this season. They're, they're not going to lose any games like this. They're <laughs> going to be able to beat Michigan once and make a deep run into the Big Ten tournament and get to the Sweet 16 maybe. And I, I think that all of that stuff is still on board, but I really think when you look at this team, it's not the most shocking thing in the world that they're going to lose a game like this. I don't know how many more they have in them this season, Probably not a few with the way that Chris Holtman coaches, or probably not many, I mean to say. But it's not a shock. It definitely is disappointing, but this is just stuff that's going to happen. they got to continue to grow and learn and get better, and you would want to avoid losing to Rutger, but it happens, and they'll continue to to grow, and hopefully it's it's for the best. Who, who knows? Yeah, I, I think that you know it, it really was one of those where you feel really bad about it when it happens like i i uh, as soon as the game ended i turned off my tv and went to the gym like i was just i had to do something because i was upset about it um which is actually a thing i haven't felt with the football team in a long time which i I think means that i don't care about the football team anymore which is probably for the best um but it it really it was a disappointing showing for sure It, it looked like they never really woke up there was um there was time at the end of the first half and the start of the second half where it looked like they were going to pull away. And, um, you know, Caleb West in foul trouble certainly hurt them a lot. The the fact that Rutgers knew that they just had to do a zone to stop the offense from working entirely uh, certainly didn't help um, because the really the biggest issue with this team right now, along with Caleb Wesson's pretty constant foul trouble, which is something that certainly needs to be addressed, is that the the three-point shooters on this roster can't shoot threes right now, which is really not great for a basketball team because you got C.J. Jackson, you got Dwayne Washington, Luther Muhammad, even a guy like Keyshawn Woods who 
could shoot threes at his last school. Um, none of them are shooting well right now. They're all they're all pretty cold, really. And I, I think Luther Muhammad had the best game of the bunch, but he's still not a guy that's going to give you a ton of points a game. And the the best way to break a zone if your you know if your big man is out and on the bench, which Caleb so often is, is to hit threes. And they had a lot of open threes, and they just couldn't hit them. And then we saw the same thing against Syracuse. We saw the same thing against Michigan State. And I think more and more teams are going to go zone against Ohio State until Ohio State proves they can beat it, um, which is something they need to work on. They, they need to work on finding a way to beat the zone that isn't just hitting your shots because they don't seem super capable of doing that right now. And that's that's an issue in a conference with a lot of pretty good defenses. And, you know, Iowa is is a team who, you know, they're playing Iowa on Saturday, and we won't do a full preview because this will go up after that game starts. But Iowa's a team that plays a lot of zone. Most teams in the Big Ten are capable of playing zone. And I, I think that Ohio State could be in for a, a longer season than we thought if they can't figure out how to beat the zone. So that's definitely something to to be on the lookout for is seeing if those guards can either get out of their slump or if Chris Holtman can draw up some plays that will actually break the zone. And um, we'll, we'll certainly see. I, I think that they will get back on track. They'll get back to being one of the five best teams in the Big Ten. But right now they are not they're not great. They're, they're real cold right now. Offensive consistency looks to be that next step for them because we know that they can play defense. We know that they're going to hustle. But like you said, being able to really flow into the offense for a full 40 minutes, that's where it's still a little bit disjointed. And hopefully they're able to bounce back against Iowa. And as we really, really dig into conference play, get a little bit more confidence offensively about what they're doing because they do have shooters. Some of them just aren't hitting their shots right now, but more consistency offensively. And and I think that they'll be just fine. Uh, You got anything else you want to talk about um no i I think that's about it i think that um (laughs) we'll certainly be back in two days when uh ryan day hires mike lord or something but um until then i'm i'm happy with the football team not as with the basketball team but still have pretty high hopes for them and and pretty high um I, i don't know pretty high happiness on the basketball team still and where the program is headed and um it's it's still a pretty good time to be a Buckeye fan. It seems like things are definitely higher, you know, heading in the right direction with two young coaches who don't hire uh, their friends or, you know, like uh, keep a, a seventh-year starter who's never been all that good uh, on, the, uh, on the starting roster. So um, right now I'm feeling pretty good, even if some of the more recent news has not been great. And I think it's a, you know, it's it's been a pretty good couple of weeks here for the Buckeyes you don't want to go 25 extra minutes on the guy that put Notre Dame second on his AP ballot that rocks <laughs> that, that, that rocks I, if that I had they, an AP ballot I would have put Iowa third so I can't blame you homie. Enough. yeah I would put um I, I would go Clemson Purdue Ohio State Purdue deserves it they tried harder than everyone else and that's the only thing that matters um <laughs> no I, I think it's funny how like I have seen I have seen a lot of people getting actively upset about the AP ballot, like the final AP poll, and like those little individual ballots are certainly funny to just joke about because there are some guys who totally do not take it seriously, which is I mean, it's essentially a joke at this point. It doesn't matter, so there's no real reason to take it seriously. Um, 
but I, I've seen Buckeye fans who are like actively upset about not being second which is it doesn't matter at all <laughs> it does not matter yeah there's really nothing that can be gleaned from that but although neither nor i nor any of our listeners have a vote what you do have the ability to do is interact with this podcast and leave us a review and say that we're number one in your hearts by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts and subscribing to the show and also visiting us at soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland and following us on Twitter at holylandpod and interacting with Patrick and I at Patrick underscore Mayhorn and I am at Dubsco and the site is at landgrant33 and as a whole, we're at landgrantholyland.com. Wow, that is a lot of shilling and I can't believe I did it in one take. But yeah, subscribe to the show review leave us some feedback if you have any questions please tweet us at holy land pod we want to thank everybody that's been listening lately i don't know if it's because of the off season or just the nature of the news but it feels like we have a whole another group of people listening to us so we hope you enjoy the show and don't be hesitant to uh to reach out to us as long as it's uh telling us that we've been right all never season. say anything mean to me online. Never say anything mean to me online. <laughs> Praise me. Stroke my ego. That's all I want to hear. I Tell me I'm the smartest person haters. in the room. <laughs> <laughs> we will block everybody. But until next time, that's that's just going to do it for us for this show. Hopefully nothing breaks by the time we finish recording oh, this. Oh, it will. And, and I put it out here on the internet. But hopefully you guys will have it either tomorrow or Sunday to listen to. And until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.